This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Staff writer Richard Sims is on deck for Cruise News and answering some of your listener questions a little later on in the show. This episode's actually going to be two episodes because our review of Carnival Venezia is super long, like 50 minutes, I believe. So what we're going to do is air the cruise news and also the Q&A segment on this episode. And then tomorrow I'll release the Carnival Venezia review because it it also deserves its own standalone episode because it is very, very long. So with that said, write the cruise news with staff writer Richard Sims. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. Nice to be back with you. Happy to be here. And Newport taxes coming to the Bahamas. Long story short, the Bohemian government wants to raise port taxes. They want more money. Every time a ship pulls into port, there's basically a tax paid for every person on board, whether they decide to get off the ship or not. And that's really important. You know, people don't always necessarily recognize that. And they're sort of like, well, I'm not getting off the ship, so do I still have to pay that tax? Yes. The tax is paid for every person on board, whether or not you're getting off the ship. Now, As we know, Nassau just underwent a pretty major and very expensive redevelopment of their port, all of which was designed to get more people to come off the ship. Not because they make more money, because they're getting their money whether you get off the ship or not, but because they want to make more money once you are off the ship. They want you to get off the ship and come and spend your money in their restaurants and their bars and their shops instead of staying on the ship and spending your money in the ship's bars and restaurants and shops. So that's that's sort of why they went through this whole redevelopment. Now, Obviously, the cruise lines aren't thrilled with the idea of these taxes going up as it's yet another expense, which, to be clear, they pass on to cruisers. So that sort of is always going to you know, impact the base amount that you're paying when you see that line at the end that says, you know, port fees and taxes. Christine Duffy, the president of Carnival Cruise Line, recently told Travel Weekly that Carnival would like to push these new fees off for a while. And that makes sense. The cruise lines have been saying for a long time that Nassau isn't necessarily the most popular port on their itineraries and that a lot of people don't get off the ships there. And over the past couple of years, Nassau has acknowledged this as well. They have also said, you know, listen, we know we've got to do something to sort of get this port in better shape so that people don't, you know, step off the ship, get assaulted by taxi drivers, not assaulted, but assailed by taxi drivers and then get back on the ship. So, you know, before Nassau comes with their handout asking for more money on the port fees, I think the cruise lines kind of want to see, hey, how are people reacting to these changes? Are more people getting off the ship? Then, you know, is is it is it worth it for us to pay more or should we consider other options? All right. And the NTSB released their report about a cruise ship that hit the dock last year in Alaska. And well, it was the cruise line's fault. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's safe to say that there was a lot of blame to go around. So this accident happened on May 9th of 2022. So Royal Caribbean's Radiance of the Seas hit one of the mooring dolphins at the Sitka Cruise Terminal in Alaska. And it did like $2 million worth of damage. You know, the ship had like a little dent in it, but (laughs) the, the real damage was done to the port and the dock and all that. So The National Transportation and Safety Board, or NTSB, did a lengthy investigation, 
And it turns out that back in 2021, the pier had been extended as part of a renovation process, but the information was not actually passed along to the National Ocean and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA. Why does that matter? Well, that is, they put together the electronic nautical charts that are used by by captains and their crew when they're pulling into the various ports and, you know, when everywhere else, I guess. So that was problem number one. The, the nautical charts, the electronic nautical charts weren't updated. But Beyond that, there were communication issues between the captain and the crew, which could have and should have prevented the collision, despite the fact that the charts weren't updated. Like they should have, you know, they should have been able to see. They could see it was a cloud. It was there was not a cloud in the sky. It was a beautiful day. There was no, you know, visibility issues. So they could clearly see what was going on. But they apparently seemed to be relying almost entirely on these maps that were not properly updated. Ultimately, nobody was hurt. Um, the damage was repaired, and I guess you could say tough lessons were learned by everyone. Both that you know they need to make sure that these maps are being properly transmitted and are properly uploaded so that they are useful to the captains and pilots and everybody else who needs them. But also that there is such a thing as relying too much on technology. You know, you have to be able to have eyes on the ground, so to speak, to make sure that what is supposed to be is you know that's 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 a big reason that this happened was they did not have that going on let's speak in a royal caribbean some good news out of the camp for florida yeah now this is news that involves one of their new ships but it is not to be confused with icon of the seas everybody's talking about icon of the seas right now it's a ship that's getting you know all of the attention but not to be overlooked Utopia of the Seas, which is an o- o- Oasis class ship, and will start its uh, when it starts sailing. It's going to be doing short cruises out of Port Canaveral. This will be um, next summer, but books and bookings actually open this week. So you know, like as always, the people who are a member of their loyalty program get like a day ahead to book. But then the next day, I believe on Friday, um, everyone else can begin booking. One of the things you'll notice if you go to the Royal Caribbean website is that they're really, really leaning into the idea of weekend getaways. They have this cool, fun little pop-up where you answer a few questions like, what is your budget? And, you know, would you rather be partying with friends or will you be traveling solo? And, you know, by the magic of the internet, it cobbles together a weekend plan for you that'll say something like, you know, Friday, have dinner in a specialty restaurant. Saturday, chill in the solarium. It's a cool idea, and it really gets people thinking, hey, maybe I do need a weekend getaway. And, you know, I can't really take a whole week to cruise, but I could do a weekend cruise. And, again, that's where Utopia of the Seas comes in because it is going to be doing weekend sailings out of Port Canaveral. So I think that's going to be pretty popular to have an Oasis-class ship doing that. And it'll be stopping at um, a perfect day, of course. So that's that's one to look forward to. Yeah, and you could also, if you want to, you could uh, pair up a three and four night and hit perfect day twice. Yes, you could. Or you could do a seven night. There's all kinds of options. Yeah, for sure. Princess Cruises is going after the family market with their next cruise ship, but it looks like some people aren't happy with that. I'm going to be really interested to see how this plays out. When I think of Princess, and I think this is true of a lot of people, one of the last things I think about is kids. I just don't. I think of it as an elevated experience. I think of it as kind of classy. I think of it as something I don't really have the right clothes for, but I don't think of 
kids. But obviously, there's a lot of money to be made in courting the multi-generational market. It's something everybody's doing. You know, Royal Caribbean, we were talking a minute ago about Icon of the Seas, and every press release, every word uttered about that ship is about how it is being designed for a multi-generational you know, audience so that every member of the family has something to do at all times. Princess is not necessarily the line you think of for that, but they want to be now. So with the new ship, Sun Princess, when it rolls out in 2024, they're incorporating a whole new area that's known as Park 19, which, as the name implies, it starts on Deck 19 and goes up to Deck 21. The real highlight here is something called the Sea Breeze. It's kind of a cross between Carnival Cruise Line's Skyride, where you pedal a bike on a track, and zip lining. You're basically hang gliding along a track way up above the ocean and above the deck at a speed of about like 11 miles per hour. It sounds kind of cool, kind of terrifying. And the first thing I think is, what if you get stuck? You know, um, you can't pedal yourself out of that one. Yeah. Um, there's also going to be a lot of family oriented stuff in this area, like a splash zone and ping pong tables, things like that. Here's my thing. I'm not sure I love the sort of amalgamation which is leading to all of the cruise lines basically offering the same thing. You know, I, I just did a sailing on Celebrity Summit, and it's an older ship. It's it's about 20 years old. It's one of the oldest ships in the Celebrity fleet. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles. It doesn't have, you know, racetracks and go-karts and roller coasters. And it was amazing. It was peaceful and relaxing. And yes, there weren't many children on board. I'm sure any children on board were probably bored out of their minds. But the adults, we all really liked it. I worry that this type of ship, like Celebrity Summit, is slowly but surely going to be phased out as the older ships and the smaller ships without the bells and whistles get replaced by these newer, bigger ships, all of which seem to be determined to have you know, lots of attractions to get the attention of kids and new cruisers. So I will be very interested to see how the typical, um, you know, how the typical princess audience reacts to this, or will it be a situation where they get what they're probably looking for, which is the non-typical, you know, princess cruiser, the person who wants to do a cruise, likes the name princess, likes the idea of princess, but has been turned off from it in the past because they think of it as being not necessarily family-friendly. And now, oh, look, they have a family-friendly option. So we'll have to see how this plays out. And it looks like some production shows are going dark. This one really disappoints me. So Norwegian has announced that over the next few months, they're going to be massively shaking up their onboard entertainment. They say it's to, and I'm quoting here, quote, Elevate its current offerings and exceed guest expectations. That's the end of the quote. But, you know, I'm kind of Cruise Radio's resident cynic, and I'm kind of calling BS on this because, you know, if you want proof, listen to what the company said, not in their press releases, but in a letter they sent to the crew, many of whom are going to be impacted by this decision. There, they said the move was being made to guarantee that NCL operates, and again, I'm quoting here, quote, effectively, cohesively, and profitably. So for years, NCL has been known for bringing Broadway-style shows to their stages, you know, Rock of Ages, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, Kinky Boots, Six, Footloose, the list goes on and on. 
But of course, you have to pay big fees to do those type of shows. And those fees are a lot higher than you pay to do what's what's known as sort of a jukebox musical, which is when you take a bunch of songs and find a way to loosely connect them. Those are a lot, lot cheaper to do for a lot of reasons. Um, and that's what a lot of the cruise lines do. I mean, that's playlist productions are mostly jukebox musicals. They they come up with a cool idea and they find songs that they can link together, but they're You know, they're not the most cohesive things in the world, but they give you 90 minutes of entertainment. So there's no word yet on what NCL is going to be replacing these acts shows with, but I'm willing to bet they'll have very generic titles and they will not be things like Footloose or Six, which I know was one of your personal favorites. And I'm sure you'll be very sad to see it go. Love it. Uh, I I know, right? I I, I bet you sat through the whole thing, didn't you? (laughs) No, you know, I didn't. I won't lie. I saw it twice. I really liked it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think these new shows will be, you know, something cheaper, something more generic and, I again, it just kind of makes me sad. I have seen a lot of these shows on on Norwegian ships. I saw Rock of Ages, I saw Six, I saw Footloose, and they are exciting and invigorating. And it's like it makes it special. It's not some generic show. So if that's the route they go, and again, we don't know for sure it is, but we kind of know. It's it's going to be a bummer. And we're getting a first look at what the new Carnival Cruise Line menus entail. Yeah, this is. Well, we'll see. Uh, this is, you know, sort of in flux. Carnival announced that um, along with Emeril Lagasse, who's sort of the culinary ambassador for the line now, that they were majorly shaking up the um, menus that are offered in the main dining room. And they would be adding, you know, more vegetarian options and they'd be adding some pay options. You could order things from specialty restaurants and that there was going to be, you know, they, they basically wanted to improve the experience in the main dining room. Now, of course, whenever you talk about menus, people freak out. You know, people are like, oh my God, they're going to take all my favorites away or they're going to charge for everything. It's worth noting there is on the new menu, on the bottom of them, there is a note that there is a surcharge of $5 for third entree or more. Uh, You know, it's not just for lobsters. Anytime you order um, a third entree, or a fourth or a fifth. After the after the second entree, you're going to start paying five dollars an entree. As for the meal themselves, or the menus themselves, they've been introduced on the Carnival Dream. They rolled out this week. They will slowly be rolled out across the fleet uh, over the next you know several months, and you start to get an idea of why they're doing it that way when you look at the response that the menus have. For example, um, the number one response I saw people having to the new menus was, where's the cheese plate? Apparently a lot of people like cheese plates and there was no cheese plate on the mm-hmm. menus as they are now. The way they are broken up is you've got your appetizers and then down at the bottom of that, you have a new section um, called Emerald Selects. And these are things that are basically off of um, various menus that Emerald Lagasse has designed. For example, one day they have a crab cake and shrimp cake as your appetizer and a chicken roulade as your entree. So you can order any of those. You can order the appetizers. Uh, Then there's the entrees. And you get about five or six entrees, one of which, at least one of which is vegetarian. And while the vegetarian options on the carnival menus used to always say exactly the same thing, it was like, you know, lentils and curry or some such thing. Now they actually have a different uh, 
entree each night. For example, the menu that I'm looking at right now has a uh, tangy yogurt curry with onion fritters, vegetables, jaffersi peas, and an onion poulet, whatever that is. I don't know, but as a, as a person who lives with a vegetarian, I know that they will be happy to see different choices. Beneath that, there's the everyday, which is like a grilled chicken breast and a uh, sirloin steak. Then, and this is one of those things that people are probably going to be upset about, there is a fairly large section on the last page of steakhouse selections, which are seafood and premium-aged USDA beef with a surcharge of $23 for each entree. And there's, you know, what you'd expect there, the surf and turf and the filet mignon and the grilled lamb chops. All of those are on the menu, but they do come at an additional cost. And then finally, the menus. So... Right now, the menus are, like I said, they're only on the on the Dream, and I have no doubt that the cruise line is taking a look at the reaction that they're getting and taking all that feedback in and deciding what the final menu will actually look at. But, I mean, in glancing at it, it doesn't look like too big a shakeup. I mean, have you looked at them? What do you think? I do like to see Emeril's dishes on there, like more of those on, on the main dining room, because I'm a big fan of his restaurants in New Orleans and Vegas. So I'm happy to get it at sea as well. Plus, you know, I'm meat and potatoes, right? So I, I don't do the sea foam and all that kind of stuff. So give me that. I'm good. Yeah. And that is basically what these look like. I mean, like uh, this night that I'm looking at right now, the entrees are grilled swordfish filet, braised lamb shank, um, honey glazed pork loin, lasagna bolognese. You know, they're, they're, they're comfort food, basically, mm-hmm. which is kind of what I expect from the main dining room, to be honest. You know, I mean, yes, some ships have gotten very fancy with their main dining room menus. Um, some ships have tried to do too much. I think I feel the same way about cruise ships as I do diners when it comes to the menu. If you make a menu that has everything on it, the chances are you're going to make about 50% of it good. And the other 50% is going to come out like crap because you're just trying to do too much. This looks like a manageable menu. And remember, you can look at this menu every night on the app or outside the restaurant and decide, you know what? There's nothing really there I want. I'm going to go somewhere else. And if there's one really great thing about Carnival Ships um, is – I believe that carnival ships have more free options for the most part outside of the main dining room than I could be wrong, but I think more than any other line. I mean, NCL does a pretty good job too, especially on their newer ships, but carnival, you know, they, they do a decent job of, of making sure that there's food at every corner and a lot of it is accessible and, you know, not and free. So I don't know. I think, I think these menus look pretty decent. I'll try them in January. Yeah, Carnival does a really good job, too, at staying consistent from ship to ship. Doesn't matter if you're on Carnival Elation, Carnival Horizon, or Venezia. All the food tastes the same. So they do a really good job with their consistency. And I've been on, what, like 16 or 17 different cruise lines, and they do have some pretty solid dining room food, in my opinion. Well, I'll agree. I mean, I remember... A couple of years ago, we went on a Carnival Sunshine, I think it was, Sunrise or Sunshine, one of those two. And it was one of my first Carnival cruises. I don't think it was my first, but it was one of my first. And I remember we had a lasagna in the main dining room that was so good that it actually made me want to go home and learn how to make lasagna. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. So, yeah, I, I don't really – I would say that I've definitely – I don't think I've ever had a bad meal in a in a carnival main dining room. Although I am also, you know, while I can be a foodie, I am also 
not a picky eater. So it's like if something comes in, it's not the greatest. I'm like, eh, I'll get something else later. Yeah, no, for sure. All right. Well, this will wrap up our segment of Food Talk. We've been talking with staff writer <laughs> Richard Sims. As always, thank you, my friend. Hey, if anybody knows how to talk about food, it's me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, nice talking to you, Doug. Do you have a story or a tip to report? Let us know. Email tips at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Just back from a cruise? Let's talk about it. Email Doug at cruiseradio.net. And joining us now to field your questions is Dan Skilkin, president of tripinsurance.com. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing great, Doug. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Got some listener questions rolling in and some comments. So, and they're all about travel insurance and trip insurance. We brought you on to tackle them. Of course, we are now in the 2023 hurricane season and uh what do we need to know about booking travel insurance during the hurricane season well tight tight hurricane season is getting longer and longer uh each year um starting earlier lasting longer um many travel insurance plans have a provision uh if a hurricane strikes a destination just prior to your vacation in other words that's a reason for cancellation if the hurricane provision is in there uh, but unfortunately, a cruise ship isn't considered a destination. People think it is, but it's actually a common carrier, particularly for the insurance company. So you're not covered for itinerary changes of destination ports. You know, a lot of the cruise companies, if uh, if a hurricane is coming, they may uh, swap out ports and change things up a bit. You're not covered for those kind of change. Um, in addition, the ports of call that a cruise ship stops at may not be considered destinations by the travel insurance company either because you're actually sleeping on board the ship uh, and you're not staying in a hotel when it stops in an island. So, um, But you should still buy travel insurance to protect against hurricanes canceling your vacation. Um, we are always recommend spending a night in a hotel at your departure port the day before your cruise departs. That's a smart idea just to make sure that you catch the boat to begin with. But by doing that, it establishes the departure point as a destination protected by your plan. So if Miami is going to be hit by a hurricane and you're leaving out of Miami or you're leaving out of Houston or something like that, then you're covered for cancellation um, if a hurricane hits that departure port. Um, the other thing is, I always recommend that, that clients buy a plan with cancel for any reason coverage for a cruise during a hurricane season. I just think it's a smart move. If a prior hurricane strikes and dramatically modifies the cruise itinerary, you may not want to go on, on the cruise and you can cancel and the insurance company will cover at least 75% of your cancellation penalties. So um, just make sure you buy the plan within 14 days of making your initial deposit because 
you're not covered for any hurricanes that are named before you purchase the plan. So the sooner you buy the plan, the better the coverage. If you wait, oh, there's a hurricane coming and it's been named, and then you buy the insurance, the insurance company can can refuse that claim because it was a known risk. Unrelated to hurricanes, Dan, but also a risk, um, Royal Caribbean was sailing uh, in the Holy Land area last week, and they had to leave Haifa abruptly because of, I guess, political unrest. Um, is that along the same lines of as like you're staying in the hotel, so it's not required a destination, so you wouldn't be compensated for missing Haifa in some of the Holy Land experiences? You may not be. In other words, they, if they swap out a port, mm-hmm. you're typically not covered. You can't really file a claim with the insurance company and say, hey, they cut an entire port out, so those days I should be entitled to some kind of compensation. Gotcha. Uh, for trips, we, we've been we've been insuring a lot of trips booked to Israel uh, just as tours. Mm-hmm. And uh, people have been asking, hey, am I covered? There's a lot of political unrest right now. You are covered for a terrorist activity in a city in your uh, agenda. So for instance, if you were staying in Jerusalem and there was a bombing, God forbid, in a in a cafe or something like that in Jerusalem or a bus bombing uh, anywhere in Israel, that would be considered a terrorist attack and you're covered for cancellation uh, and not going on the trip uh, for a terrorist attack. But when um, Hamas is shooting missiles at uh, Israel from uh, the Gaza Strip, that is considered an act of war and every insurance policy in the industry um, blocks an act of war as a covered reason for cancellation. Uh, they just don't cover it. And so um, this is, again, another good reason to get a cancel for any reason policy if your trip involves uh, an area of unrest. And there's plenty of those in the world that, that, that you can look up. All right, let's talk about that pesky norovirus. There have been over a dozen cases on U.S. cruise ships over the past five months, and and we've received several emails asking if a trip insurance policy would be activated if a guest came down with norovirus on their sailing. I think this is a great topic. Not only is norovirus still affecting travelers, we've had four clients that have caught COVID and were jettisoned from their tours in the last six weeks. So that risk is still there, too. The big difference between norovirus and uh, the coronavirus is that we have a test for COVID. So you can test yourself to see if you have COVID. The only way you know if you have norovirus is if you're, you know, you've got stomach upset, you're throwing up, you've got, uh, you, 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 you spend a lot of time in the bathroom. So um, the problem here is that with any one of these, you have got to have medical, third-party medical proof that you're sick in order to file a claim against the insurance. So in the case of norovirus, that would typically be diagnosed by a doctor on board the ship. And if you go to see the doctor on board the ship, you know what's going to happen. <laughs> they're they're going to lock you in your cabin. Mm-hmm. If you get locked in your cabin because you're sick with norovirus or with COVID, um, you're covered for your medical expense and for your lost excursions. But a claim for the balance of your cruise that you spent locked in your cabin will likely not be paid because you didn't you didn't incur an additional expense. You just had a horrible vacation because you were locked in your cabin. You were in prison. What we recommend is that you check with the boat when you when you first get on and you're checking in for your cabin. Ask them, hey, if I get sick, rather than being locked in my cabin, do I have an option of being jettisoned from the boat? 
at the next available port that would have uh, an airport. Because if you are, if you have that option, then you stay in your cabin until you get to that port and then you disembark. You can file a, a, a travel insurance claim if you're jettisoned from a tour or from a cruise um, because you're sick and you get the infirmary to verify that you have norovirus. Now you have a doctor's diagnosis, get a copy of that doctor's diagnosis. That's critical for the insurance company so that you have proof that you were sick. In the case of COVID, we're recommending our clients take at least two home COVID tests with them on, uh, on the vacation, particularly with tours or cruises. If you suspect you have COVID, you can test to see if you're positive. And if you are, search the web for a proctored uh, web COVID test service. There are several companies out there that for $20, they will have a nurse supervise a COVID test over a video chat using the other test you brought with you, the other home test you brought with you. You, um, They then email you a medical certificate proving to the insurance company that you tested positive for COVID and that you're covered for trip interruption. It is critical that you have third-party verification. They won't trust that you took a home test and you tested yourself and then you give the insurance company the word that, hey, I had COVID. We had one client that didn't get tested abroad, came home, got tested as soon as they got home. The test came out positive. So they said, yeah, we we had symptoms five days ago and we tested positive when we got home. And the insurance company refused to claim because they said, how do we know you didn't catch it after you got home? And it's not that they're they're trying to avoid paying a claim here. It's that they need to prove to the underwriter that you, in fact, caught it during your trip. So you need that third-party proof that you have uh, COVID. Um, and then um, the insurance company will cover the balance of your cruise or vacation and the extra cost to get you home if you're jettisoned from the tour or the cruise. Um, so if you get sick at that point, I just pack and leave the ship at the next available port if, they, if they'll let you. Um, uh, but if you complete the cruise till you get to the final port, the insurance company is not going to cover the loss on the cruise. If you get off, the insurance company will uh, tally up the total cost of the cruise uh, and they will pay you for the days that you lost on the cruise. They'll pay you for your lost excursions and they pay you for the extra cost to, to get you home. So um, there's there's a real advantage of having insurance uh, in the event that you're going to catch norovirus or, or COVID. And this next one is a story we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the show with Richard. A Carnival Glory passenger was hit by a car in Grand Cayman, and they were afraid of missing the ship because Grand uh, Cayman is a tender port. You know, obviously, it doesn't just dock there. You got to take a boat back and forth from the ship. So they didn't notify the local police after they were hit. It was a hit and run. So they limped back to the ship. It messed her hip up pretty bad. In fact, uh, the, the trip to the infirmary cost them uh, well north of a grand. So how would travel insurance come into play here, even though they didn't notify anyone locally that it was a hit and run? It turns out that as long as they have the infirmary on board the ship diagnose that they got hit and that that they had uh, a medical problem on board the ship, the travel insurance would still cover it, even if um, even if they hadn't reported it locally. Mm-hmm. Um, very few domestic health insurance policies will cover the cost of medical treatment on board a ship. 
And so their expenses, if they didn't have travel insurance, a lot of times their own health insurance company may uh, refuse it. Your domestic policy may cover an emergency room treatment at a land-based hospital, but not if you are, are admitted. And Medicare doesn't cover the costs outside the United States. So buying travel insurance for the medical coverage to cover these costs uh, is pretty critical, particularly for medical evacuation. I, I think this passenger was lucky that they didn't, you know, completely break a hip where you've got a situation where there's no possible way for the, uh, the boat to help them. And they would have had to be medically evacuated and may have to have been blown off the ship by by helicopter, and now you're talking some serious, serious expense. Yeah. Travel insurance, medical coverage doesn't have deductibles. So just make sure that you buy a plan with primary coverage. This means that the travel insurance pays for your trip's medical expenses first before you have to file with your domestic insurance coverage. Uh, even if the domestic insurance might refuse the coverage, it will slow down payment of your claim if you have to file with your health insurance first before your travel insurance. So with primary medical coverage on your travel insurance plan, you just have to file with the travel insurance company. For medical evacuation coverage, we recommend you can get a plan for, that has less than $100,000 in medical evacuation coverage if you're just taking a cruise to say Mexico. But if you're cruising the islands or you're in Western Europe, uh, you need at least $100,000 in coverage. If you're going to the Far East or the South Pacific or someplace like Greece, I would get at least $250,000 in medical evacuation coverage. You can check this out in the side-by-side -side comparisons on the travel insurance comparison site. I don't recommend you buy your insurance from the cruise company because you're going to get better coverage at a better price if you, if you buy the insurance from a comparison website like tripinsurance.com. Why is that? Because a skeptic could be saying, well, you're just saying that because of tripinsurance.com. Because you're not going to be covered for things like bankruptcy of the cruise or the tour company if you buy the insurance from them. Yeah. And in addition, you're not required to take a voucher for future travel if you buy from a third-party insurance company. And I'm not sure in the case where you get the insurance from the cruise company, if you have to disembark because you're hurt badly like this, hmm. uh, if they're actually going to give you a voucher, for instance, for the balance of the of the trip or, or how they're going to handle the loss. Um, the, your cruise company, your tour company, or your travel agent, they cannot force you to purchase their insurance. Mm -hmm. It's against the law in every state. So third-party insurance will cover all of the travel arrangements that you book directly that don't involve the cruise company, plus all of your time on these remote islands and things like that, um, uh, that you may book separately um, or the time that you book before or after the cruise, because this kind of accident can happen anywhere at any time. And it's People sit back and say, I don't think I need insurance because I'm covered by my own medical insurance. And they don't really think about what it would mean if they got hurt badly like that. Your travel insurance plan should have a phone number. Ours do. It has a phone number in there for, for assistance, for travel assistance, mm -hmm. and for assistance with medical coverage. Those are always a toll-free number. You can call them, collect and they'll help coordinate your, your medical coverage. And if you need medical evac, particularly if the onboard doctor thinks, hey, I can't treat this, uh, then they'll, uh, they'll make arrangements to medically evac you to safety and get you home. And uh, the loss on the cruise is covered, the extra cost to get 
home is covered, even the people traveling with you can cancel at that point and they're covered and they can travel back with you as well. All right. And our last question slash comment here, it says, I'm so disappointed with Carnival. I have cruised over eight times with this cruise line and was looking forward to going on a spring break cruise on the Mardi Gras with all 14 of our family members that was purchased as a Christmas gift for them. Our son suddenly came down with mouth cancer in February and had to have emergency 12-hour surgery on March 14th. That was life-threatening. It was very aggressive, and we were not able to go on our cruise. And Carnival wouldn't allow us a credit for future cruises or a refund. We lost close to $10,000. I even took out cruise line insurance. I would not recommend them ever again. Our family was devastated from the news of our son and the children and the grandchildren cried because they were looking forward to their cruise. Sad to have a company that values money over customers. All right, Dan. So we just unpacked this. What are your initial thoughts? Well, first of all, Doug, I'm trying to figure out why a claim or the cruise company might refuse to pay it. Um, one thought that comes to mind that you got to keep in mind is pre-existing conditions. In other words, if the son was diagnosed with the cancer prior to purchasing the insurance or the cruise with the insurance, then there's a chance that the insurance company or the cruise line might refuse the claim. Now, if you were diagnosed with cancer, but you are capable of traveling and you buy your insurance within 14 days of making your initial deposit and you buy a plan with a pre-existing condition waiver, provided that you're well enough to travel at the time you buy the insurance, you would be covered, at least with a third-party plan, if you had to cancel in that regard. So I'm trying to figure out why this, this claim might have been refused. The first thing that I would recommend to the, the this customer would be uh, appeal the the claim. There is an insurance company that backs up Carnival's um, Carnival's policies. They, these are not issued by by Carnival. They're, they are issued by a third party insurance company that administers the claims. So step one, I would make sure to file a claim, and I would document it, and I would document it with the medical reports and with receipts, et cetera, that showed the cancellation. Um, the second thing I would do is follow up with Carnival and ask um, why why they refused the claim. You, you've got you should get some documentation. They are required when you file a claim to give you documentation within 30 days on how they're handling the claim, particularly if they're rejecting it. Uh, we recommend to people we have had your listeners contact us when they've had a problem with a claim, even if they haven't bought their insurance from us. And we are happy to give them advice on how to document the claim or how to to file an appeal with the insurance company or how to handle this. Uh, One of the options, if you're clean here, if you had insurance and it wasn't a pre-existing condition and there was no um, uh, sound reason for them to refuse the claim, you were always uh, able to file uh, with your state insurance bureau, your own home state uh, insurance a commissioner's office will follow up for you and will handle that complaint with Carnival's insurance company and you'll get some action. Mm-hmm. In the case of our customers, if you do need to file a claim for policies that you purchase on tripinsurance.com, you can start the claim on our website. If you have any questions, 
on how to document the claim or need help expediting a claim, just send us a quick email to supportatripinsurance.com. Customer service for claims, this is when you need us the most, is when you're filing a claim. And we have a close relationship with the claims management for the insurance companies that we handle. We've been able to help many customers get their claims paid if they're having trouble with the claim. Make sure that you keep all your receipts to document the claim. And even if you haven't bought insurance from us, if you do have a problem, let us know, hey, I didn't buy from you, but can you give me some advice here? This is my situation. This is what I heard from the insurance company. What do you recommend? A lot of times we can tell people how to uh, just change uh, and fix the documentation, making sure that the documentation is complete, that they've got the report from the doctor uh, and whatever else they need. And uh, generally speaking, um, it'll come through. They, the insurance companies are governed by the contract that they have with you that is the policy. They give you the, the terms and conditions of the policy and they must adjudicate the claim according to that. But how often have you heard of this kind of problem? I mean, I get these emails probably a couple of times a year. And normally the cruise lines like to throw around that gesture of goodwill terminology a lot. So I actually replied to him uh, a couple of months back, but haven't heard back. So I'm hoping he got satisfaction he was looking for. But yeah, yeah, just just reading this initially without knowing any of the backstory, it does seem kind of like his last sentence basically summed it up. Sad to have a company value money over customers. It sure seems that way without knowing the story. That's perception and perception right. is important and customer perception is important. And so you're absolutely right. Most of the cruise companies, if you contact them, the last thing that they want people to think is that they're not there to serve them. Uh, they are in the service. Cruising is a service business. You know, you, you enjoy the cruise because of the quality of service you get from the cruise company, the quality of the food, the experience. And they don't want to come across as having a bad experience. Even, you know, even even in the times when hurricanes have affected the cruises or a boat has been shut down or things like that, the uh, the typically the cruise companies make good with the passengers. So I, I have faith that if they really pursue this, that, that they'll get covered. A few minutes ago, you said that listeners could reach out if they have any questions. Where can we get a hold of you? Doug, we've got a, a customer support uh, line that you can call us on. But the easiest way to get a hold of us would be to, to just send us an email to support at tripinsurance.com. Right? We're, we're, we're always there to help. Very good. Talking with Dan Skilkin, president of tripinsurance.com. Thanks for the time today, Dan. Have a good one. Thanks, Doug. Enjoy the summer travel. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.